Yo, what's up, everyone? Happy New Year. Happy. I, I want to be like super screamy, but it's like super mad early in the morning. <laughs> so, once again, welcome to the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Spiky Bebop, S P I K E E B E B O P. Thank you to all the fans. Seriously. Um, the more you guys support my art, the more intricate it becomes, and I did the liberty of doing and adding more things to it, spending more time explaining, and in- intricately, like, I-, I say intricate, but infinitely uh, going into the ins and outs of what makes my story uh, my own, and it's been uh, a wonderful journey uh, since the beginning until now. Um, I could never even, you know, fathom as to this point, and it's 2023, so I might as well start it out by <laughs> explaining where the story came from, how it all incepted, how I started the podcast, and, you know, where initially the story is going. Now, I, it takes some time, because the story is obviously uh, three books, actually four books in. I released the fourth book last year. Uh, in 2022 so it's, it's been a collective uh, amount of time and uh, oh also hit the subscribe button uh, thank you guys uh, my name is V I say V uh, but you know governments you can go by and find me it's Vernon uh, E or Vernon English and it's a really really dope uh, concept to even be a writer uh, in this day and age in 2023 is crazy the environment is crazy, the, the, the pool of artistry and the things that people uh, see, the things that go viral are insane. Uh, just, you know, where we are as a society is infinitely uh, wonderful, and I love it. I, I can't get enough of it. It's really, really uh, <laughs> a reflection of self and where we are and how we are as a, a people. And... Um, it's an interesting thing now that I think about it in retrospect, how, you know, 2020 solidified what I had already known, you know, through cartoon series and through other different stories and comic books that I had read, but it not, it, it really, you know, hinges on science fiction for me. Um, I can't really tell the difference um, from day to day and it kind of blends and that's how I know I'm on to something. <laughs> when it blends and, and when it effortlessly does that. But I, I knew that back in 2020 when uh, that, what do you call this, uh, the mass pandemic happened, uh, how everyone was connected and how important it was that your neighbor did well so that, you know, the block did well. <laughs> Even if you didn't, you know, agree with everything your neighbor did, you know, or how he, you know, did his lawn. It was still, you know, you wanted someone to do well and to be okay. And it was one of those things where you go and you be at your crib at like 9 p.m. every day and, you know, random times on the weekend and you don't usually see people. It really, you know, added to the flavor of my my fourth book where I saw, you know, in real time uh, just how people adapted and adapted quite quickly and I was like, yo, I'm not going to get lost, lost in the sauce. I'm, I'm going to get on it. I'm going to be on point with it. I'm going to start my podcast right now. No excuses, no nothing. 
I got the tools, I got my phone, I got the app, that's all I need. <laughs> you know, and I, I really wasn't making excuses like, oh, I needed a microphone, I needed, you know, a, a desk to sit at, I needed, you know, subject matter, the things that uh, adhere, you know, to a CC, FCC rating or some shit like this. I was like, no, I'm going to find a way to do so, so that I, you know, solidified it for myself. And I didn't even know that I was preparing for, you know, to give this to someone. And one day I will, uh, just as, you know, my company and brand, uh, which is Lotus Eye, by the way. But yeah, now that I have someone to give it to, now it all makes sense and why I was doing this every day. And I'm just, you know, excited. I have my interview later on in the, the month, excuse me, not this month, but in March. And, and, and that's primarily what I'll talk about. Now, let's go back and wheel back to time just a little bit, you know, where Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds came from. And I was talking about this in the last podcast and how you know, my story was, you know, sounding like a school report when I first started it back in like 2013, 2014. And it was really when I was developing the leg of the book and developing the voice and how I wanted to write. I didn't want it to sound like anything else that I had seen before. And it wasn't not just to be different, to be different. I mean, anyone can do that. It, it had to have some substance to it and something that I could read and something that I can come back to and be proud of. No sense of ego based in it, no sense of dollar amount of me with braggadociousness and telling someone about it. If someone asked me, I would, you know, inevitably share like, oh yeah, I got a book. <laughs> but to the off chance in a given person, I would always hold that as a treasure. Um, as a gift that I always um, would have for humanity if they would ask for it. And it would be like, you know, this record and an endless, you know, procession of records and uh, the universe being the record store. And if they asked uh, for me or what it was that I had, well, then it would already be ready. <laughs> Which is the mentality of what I was building towards. And the story you know, was influenced by all of the science fiction that I had seen, all of the anime that I had seen, all, every cartoon, every comic book, every, you know, philosophical uh, influence from schooling and the random ass books that they had us read uh, had a ginormous weight into, you know, the decision making and the choicing of my words and the characters in the first book. Uh, it, it really, I mean, if you just peruse it and you'll be like, okay, I give you the synopsis, but it goes well, well, well beyond that in the very nature of thinking if you give it a second and third and fourth look. And, you know, I always look up to any writer, you know, there's no judgment in any, uh, what you call this, label that they give themselves. I give myself as just simply a writer and not a poet. Because the poetry uh, adheres to guidelines. <laughs> Writers adhere to guidelines. You know, they have editors and they have, you know, uh, iambic pentameters. They've got, you know, stanzas. They've got sentence structures and they've got plot lines and devices and all kind of things uh, that run through their sentences that make sense. 
why generally you'll see a semicolon separating a series of thoughts. <laughs> However, uh, for me and my non-schooling ass, uh, I had to adhere to uh, some sense of non-structure. And that is for, you know, the obscure person that isn't from my time period, ideally 1987 and someone from 2050 or 2020, whatever, uh, to have this, you know, pop up on their phone, pop up on you know, a pad or a laptop, and them to readily identify like, oh, he's writing in a different type of, you know, I, I could see this on Reddit, like the way people pull it up in a thread and I, oh, okay, I see that. So it just wrapped around there. And then that made the next word. And oh, okay. I played a lot with a lot of different um, thought processes. So it's anticipating on what a person will think of when I put these words down. And a lot of alliteration, a lot of metaphors, and a lot of other different word devices. But ideally, it was that you know, framing and structure that I had in my head because I was typing it on my phone or taking notes. And then I eventually graduated to doing it in my head and, and remembering it. Now, the cool part, the cool part was when I started doing so, um, it initially, you know, once again, incidentally sounded like, you know, spoken word poetry. And I, you know, love that spoken word, spoken word poetry has a non-structure-esque ability to it. Uh, if anyone knows or is familiar with Saul Williams, um, he's a prolific writer. If any writer in this day and age from like, I don't know, 1980 to now is, you know, attempting to have some, I don't know, impact. <laughs> some sort of, you know, cultural stimulant to this mind, you know, thinking process and the abilities of what of the spectrum a person is capable of doing, you would inevitably look at his work and you would be amazed. There are so many unsung heroes that, you know, are writers and do their work and uh, have amassed a large library and archive of collections. You just you get where I'm coming from and why my story sounds the way that it does. And I did that because I've said this time and time again, and, and I'll reiterate this and certain things I won't repeat and certain things I will, uh, was that I wanted the writing of the story to not make sense under the first read. If you're reading it and it makes sense to you, good. You know, you, you're getting where I was coming from, but I want you to read it again. That's the second time. And then you get a different interpretation, quite possibly if I layered it with another sense of the meaning. Uh, say, for instance, an idiom or alliteration or a metaphor. You know, uh, it could have, you know, four to five meanings with it, depending on how I worded it. And I don't necessarily give that to the reader. Uh, certain things I omit, uh, obviously, other than their names, but then, too, um, sometimes, you know, sensibly, uh, people have a plight. And I don't even explain that in certain instances. It's just them going through a human experience uh, the way that not so much a journal does, but more or less if you are there in the scene with them in a sense of narration, the narration changes. And, and I wanted that to be 
uh, very important in this day and age and in the future uh, to hold on to this sense of curiosity regardless of how advanced and how smart and big-headed we become. There are certain things in life that we will never know uh, just because that is a thing that exists if everything exists. <laughs> I won't go into the semantics, but I love it when I cannot explain something and it amazes me and the magic of that. And I love that. You know, there's certain things in life that we attribute to and we just, you know, lump into uh, a religion or we lump into a sensible uh, whatever. Like, that's just how it goes. No, it's inevitably where your imagination begins and then where you can connect with something. And that's where on that bridge that connects that person with it um, brings it closer together until one day, you know, advancing and, you know, time eventually catches up. So th that's one reason why. And I got that at the beginning of, you know, the release of my book and a few people who bought it were like, hey, man, I bought it. But what does it mean? Like you had all of these things in there and, and, and I, well, I read it twice and a third time. And I'm like, good, good. Read it again. <laughs> To get another interpretation. If I explain something to you, it sort of takes away that your your interpretation of what I meant. And I never wanted to do that. I always wanted to leave it to interpretation. I always wanted the reader uh, to have this level of engagement in my work so that they understood why I love it so much and why I come back to it and why it is my gift to them. Uh, as humanity, not once again based off of ego. If someone comes across it, great. If they don't, <laughs> like it, it will be there for the person who inevitably is curious as to the limits of the imagination and how far it can go. Like that's only one, you know, point in the spectrum of a vectorless universe where you know the 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 sheer scope and and level of you know numerics is infinite. And so I'm just showing one point <laughs> where it can go infinitely up, infinitely this way, infinitely in any direction. And I, I wanted to personify that. I just didn't want to talk about it. And everyone around me, there were other artists too at the time, uh, could see me working on it. And, you know, you're like, oh, okay, he's talking about a story and, you know, inevitably thinking of it as me just uh, spouting bullshit. But no, 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 no. I had a plot line, I had a story with it, I had characters, I had, you know, a vision of what they look like. I can easily tap into this story effortlessly the way that you can, you know, flick a remote and turn on a television. The characters move, they breathe, you know, it's a sense of this mystique and this fantasy realm that is larger than life and something that I'm constantly attempting to wrap my mind around. Uh, if you're an astronomer or if you're, you know, astrophysicist and attempting to, you know, think of innumerable, immeasurable things, you know, celestial bodies and, you know, the impact of what <laughs> it would do to the human experience and their senses is the things in the realm that I wake up in the morning and think of. And I'm always curious as to the next point of advancement the next point where science fiction meets uh, this universal reality, as I call it, 
where everyone unanimously can, you know, correct and or test this said thing and come up with some of the same results. Um, not to be, you know, indicative of the scientific method, but just something it, where anybody can pick it up. And that's where I wanted my story to be. I didn't want it to be super sciencey, super old man. He dropping thesaurus book words. No, no. I, I've told my story to many people and uh, they, uh, they understood it. You know, what is nature versus nurture? Uh, who are you at your core? Besides everything that has happened to you, besides all of these other definitions given to you, who do you and, you know, identify as? And what and why? And all of these questions were open-ended and I never truly answer them, but it's the nature versus nurture part. Nature-wise is the inevitable thing that you are. You know, the, the DNA part, the inherent, you know, physique of a person. And given the, the opportunity of placing them in many different, you know, control groups and this, this, that, and the third, and you get to see and utilize, you know, separating twins at birth. And then, you know, how would one operate? Would they be the same? And then the nurture aspect of it, you know, the, the treating of this thing, uh, giving it the things that it needs in the environment. Uh, naturally, you can look at a tree, you know, and how it bends to light, you know, to accommodate, to get the nutrients it needs. It will literally, uh, I believe back in the day when I was younger, there was a plant in my crib and it was just like this leafy plant just had nothing but leaves but it would just you know grow and grow out and it would be like a hanging plant and the crazy part was that in the place there was like obscure light and so it would be there at certain points but not at, a, at an egregious time period it would, especially where I was at in, in that point in my life uh in the midwest but it would still, you know, reach around. <laughs> I can attest to this, you know, uh, or understand, like it would reach around on the window when we would open it to get some sunlight and the leaves would grow that way to get that, the nutrients that it needed. And for me, uh, I'm just a simple science fiction nerd. So I'm observing humanity with wide eyes, with no judgment, and with a sense of, you know, respect and, and a sense of boundary, too, uh, because you don't want to inevitably lose who you are and this self-defining definition that you have, but constantly reevaluating it and adapting it to the things that you're evaluating. And once again, this is why my podcast doubles as a writing room. It teaches inevitably all these things because I've shared this experience with others. And so if you were born in 1987, pfft, you were a 90s kid, you know what I'm saying? Born anywhere between, I don't know, pfft, 1985 to 2005 or something like this. You are in that realm of media, that realm of social uh, change and inevitably this boom that has influenced uh, 2023 today. Uh, I dare say no, everyone in that, that point in age range that I just named has the level of skill set and comprehension to download an app, to get an update, to do things on the fly and to have their Tony Stark devices on their phone. 
you know, to, you know, jump in the metaverse, to accommodate certain things, uh, crunch numbers, whatever the case may be. So the, the media that we got, you know, the, the cartoons that we were introduced to, the imaginations that were previously, you know, it, back when I was born, it, it would come on once a week. <laughs> Showing how, you know, young I am, but now we can pull these things up anytime. We can binge it, you know, and, and crunch it and just just destroy anything we love. And then we look at, and, and in retrospect, I'm looking into how often we look back at these programs again, how often we look and reevaluate and look with a different eyes for different things in, you know, a scene. And if it's your favorite thing, or I mean, I'm not questioning how often people listen to music or how often they watch things. It's just me as an artist. I, I have short and long-term memory. <laughs> so I, I love it when I haven't seen something for years, year and a half, and I look at it again and it's brand new. You know, I'm looking at it with different eyes. I'm like, oh, I remember of this scene. Like, I was just watching uh, To Kill a Mockingbird the other day. Like, I, I didn't even know it was Gregory Peck. Like, I thought it was somebody else. Uh, Burt Lancaster or some shit. I thought he was in it. But it was a crazy film. And very important film. Almost like, uh, what do you call those other films? Anything from Dealing with Mississippi or something like this. Like, those were... I'm trying to think of when that film was. Was it in the 1950s? Most done doubt. I gotta look it up on when To Kill a Mockingbird dropped with the book and then the movie because apparently somebody felt some type of way to make it into a film <laughs> and to drop a few hard R's in a film. You know, like that was something where Sidney Poitier, if he had been in the, the Academy Award, would have had something to say about it. You know, like... I forgot that one chick who won the first uh, black American, she's the African American woman, uh, mama something, you know, like, <laughs> I wonder if she would have had something to say about, you know, just in the film and the representation of it. But the reasoning why I'm mentioning is there's, I've, it's been years since I've seen that film and I gotta watch it again to see how impactful it was, the, the, the suspense of it you know, and how the characters mirror the things that they wanted in the book. And those are the things that influence me, you know, random as fuck, like super random. No, I wake up in the morning delineating like, what? I don't even know what I watch. Something about X-Men or something like this. Like, it's insane the level of the, 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 what we have as far as the well and uh, the spread of creativity as a spectrum. And it is only as large as you go into it. So the pool size of every creative aspect that everyone has ever done in the history of Everdom, Everdom, I mean, is pretty large. And you can go back to the 1400s and to the 1600s and, you know, even earlier and look through text of how, you know, society has operated and how humanity has dealt with their emotions. That's the first part before any pen to paper that an artist has to, you know, develop. 
the second part is you know this thing of life so you you have your message and then you have to have this conversation and this dialogue if not with anybody you have to have a dialogue with yourself and no you don't have to speak out loud like me and speak to yourself no that that's something that they tell a shrink to or a psychologist you don't have to do that and put yourself out like don't don't do that don't do that but to have an inner dialogue and message with yourself to see if your material is good or not if you like it you know if it sounds good on paper but if after you you know verbalize it those are the things that you know solidify yourself as a writer and you reiterate this every single day every single day and it doesn't have to be the same conversation it doesn't have to be the same thing and those are the beginning stages of what uh, hearing colors to kill sounds came from it was not a message for someone to follow it was initially something that i wanted someone to follow themselves and a story that i could come back to and then be like yo you know you know they're still working on this story right it's a never-ending story like your favorite story ended this one is my favorite story and it's still going still going still dropping bars that was all oh, your story's cool ah ah oh when did it end oh oh yeah was the, the ending good oh that was good 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 well my story is still going like <laughs> so on the next podcast i'll explain where hearing colors to kill sounds came from the name uh the inception characters what they look like and uh, I may read off a few of the pieces I I've done so with the beginning of the podcast and, you know, gave some insight into it. But I'll, I'll give another perspective of it and let you guys know uh, when my interview is, what other projects I'm working on this year, when the fifth book will be dropping, uh, what's the name of the fifth book, and everything else that I've been working on. You can find it on Amazon, Instagram, Discord, Twitter. I'm not even on Facebook anymore, but you can find an old profile on there if you want to be a detective. But yeah, <laughs> peace.